Hello, uh, welcome to Tape Deck, where I, Deck, tape a friendly conversation with a creative type that interests me. I don't think that works at all. <laughs> welcome to Tape Deck. Gonna have a creative conversation. It would work if it was deck tape. <laughs> I'm flattered that we interest you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, look, I kept it pretty broad, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I was thinking writer, artist, but f- I, who knows who I might like end up uh, wanting to have a chat with. But um, like, don't limit yourself. Also, you don't know how you interest me. Maybe it's morbidly so. You know, maybe it's, you know. <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, right, so uh, my uh, guest today... This feels so weird. So I should say this is this is the very first podcast. I have no idea what I'm doing, um, and this isn't aimed to be like a super regular thing. It's just whenever the opportunity arises to maybe have a a talk with someone, um, this is something I can release like through uh, through my newsletter. But um, so anyway, my yes, my guests this time are um, Michael Doig and India Swift, or who go by Doig and Swift, or is it is it India Swift and Michael Doig? How do you guys? It's, it's generally Doig and Swift you go by. I think right? Swift and Doig has a better ring to it. It's whoever gets to talk first, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> there it is. So D- 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 Doig and Swift slash Swift and Doig. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, but um, uh, yeah, and, and uh, both Michael and uh, India are uh, animators working in uh, Dublin who I've gotten to know because we currently share a studio. But by the time this podcast comes out, uh, something called Starlight Brigade will have hit the inter- internet. And if there's any justice in the world, it will have smashed internet records. I don't think there are internet records. But um, <laughs> if there are internet records, they'll smash have smashed, smashed them. But um, uh, I think it's a really, really impressive piece of work. And, you. you know, uh, animation isn't something that I'm, like, know a lot about. I have friends in animation, so I kind of, like, hear stuff uh third hand and whatnot and i have a I don't know something of a kind of, of a curiosity about it but uh, i wanted to ask you more about it so starlight brigade what is it starlight brigade is an animated music video that we just finished um recently we've been working with knights of a light table to make it and um the ceo patrick stannard is a fantastic guy great animator and he gave us the opportunity to do this music video and to co-direct it which was an amazing opportunity. We've never done anything like this before. We're a big fan of the band who wrote the music. And and the band's name is Twerp? Uh, yeah, Tupperware Remix Party. All right. Who are collaborating with Ninja Sex Party. It sounds like quite create, a <laughs> it's creative radical, force. <laughs> it's as radical as it sounds. The song's really amazing. We heard that the two bands found one another because Ninja Sex Party literally Googled party and bands and came across Tupperware Remix Party and that's huh. how they kind of found one another. Fair enough. Google, bringing people together. Um, okay, so so it's a music video by the band and uh, Knights of the right, Light, sorry, Knights of the Light Table hired you guys to work on the video. Yeah, we've okay. been working with Knights of the Light Table for a long time mm-hmm. um, but mainly as animators and storyboard artists and Mike's been doing a lot of colour design for them. So this is the first time we've really been given a project to make our own. Uh, We were really thankful and excited to be given the opportunity by Patrick. Um, And he he was there the entire way through the process to steer us. So is is that company, is Patrick's deal? Yes. Okay, right. It's uh, it's Patrick's company. And if there's any justice, it will go... (laughs) far because the work that they produce is fantastic yeah it looks great like even from a, a non-animacy guy uh 
uh, which is what I am. Uh, it looks it looks phenomenal. Like it looks really really amazing. Um, but so when he he would reach out to you guys and you guys, so this is your first time directing, right? Yes. Um, so he would reach out to you guys and said, "Hey, I want you guys to do this music video, but I want you guys to direct it." Yeah. Okay, but you ended up like directing the the main thing and like because you were credited differently, you were credited as director, and Mike's credited as art director. That's yeah. right. So like, how how did that relationship work as such? Like, what was the dynamic there? Well, I think as the music video progressed, and because it was it was a long time frame to make something like that to make a three and a half fully animated video. You know, we were working on it for a full nine months. And as we progressed through that timeline, naturally the work split pushed us both in slightly different directions. Mm. So I took on a lot of the directing and Mike took on a lot of the visual directing. So a lot of the way the colours appear in the final thing, the finished look of everything was all handled by Mike. Mm. Yeah, so um, my kind of main forte is colour. I'm currently working as a colourist in comics. And the skills overlap into areas of color design and like color scripts. I'm not sure there's any skills in comics. <laughs> 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 well, I'm biased towards animation, but I know. Yeah, I'm, what are comics? I can't just still animation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Sorry, I should have known better than to make make a joke, but um, but sorry, Mike, you were saying. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of um, back and forth thing between India and I on how to um, bring this this project to life. Um, we were given a brief by the clients uh, to kind of reimagine a 80s, 90s anime-inspired um, mashup with some sort of European comics like uh, artists like Mobius um, were influenced. So. Uh, we just kind of work together to try and figure out how to bring that look and feel together and blend it seamlessly as best we could. Um, and did you guys get to like, was it approached to you guys specifically? Because I know I know there's more people involved in making the video. Was it like your guys' decision to hire whoever or, you know, were you, was it even a case of you just, will you guys do it on your own? And you were like, no, no, we can't do that on our own. <laughs> or what was the... No, we always there was always the intention to bring a team on board. Okay. And Patrick was the one who suggested the team. Okay. But luckily, the team he suggested were the exact team that Mike and I had been talking about wanting to get on board. That's so, convenient. Yeah, exactly. So I think we all had our eye on these two particular artists because of the work that they've been doing in kind of our community. We'd seen a lot of their stuff and they were both seen very skilled. So it started off with uh, Tibbs, who's Noi Tibmar on Twitter, yep. and L Power who you know because yeah. she has worked with you and yeah she was an apprentice she was an apprentice of mine for like uh like was it nearly a year maybe but um yeah i know she she's draw i know she i knew she wanted to do animation and comics i know she's done a graphic novel for boom um and she helped me out with a lot of production on injection as well so yeah i'm i'm big fan of Elle, but um but it's weirdly i mean i didn't know she was working with you guys until after a while and yeah. so it's a nice it was a nice surprise yeah, exactly. It's nice. The kind of art community is quite close-knit and tight, so you often find that you know people through others that you didn't know you had any connection yeah. with. Everyone kind of knows one another. But yeah, Elle's fantastic. You know, she's a great storyteller. Her drawings are amazing and yeah. beautiful. So we knew we, we wanted her skills on board. And Tibbs is a fantastic effects animator. And with an anime-inspired music video, you know you're going to want a lot of flashy effects. Mm. So... They were the first two on the project and really kind of the look that came out of it was 
built around the small team at the beginning, all hashing things out together. But so, so you had your team. Um, wasn't there a, a, who's David on it as well? Yes. Yeah. Um, Angelic David. Yes. <laughs> well, I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, Angelic. <laughs> David. We call him behind the scenes because he descended from above and made everything better. Um, so during yes. the production, we were using David's art as a benchmark. We're kind of trying to figure out how we could um, replicate and emulate the sort of anime style that he seemed to do fairly effortlessly. His, his Twitter feed is just full of beautiful anime drawings. And so we decided that the best way to try and figure out how to do that was actually contact him directly. Okay. And so he was a consultant at first, and he gave us some really great advice and sort of tutorials on how to um, sort of uh, process an image or a drawing and put a certain level of filters and stuff on there that made it look older or give it that kind of kind of authentic retro yeah. 90s. So beyond, so the beyond the brief, like the brief was going for that kind of retro nineties, eighties, Voltroni uh, uh, kind of feel. But was there anything specific to that? Because like the video itself, like tells a story. Was that was the story given to you? Was it you know, or was it just the visuals? You were like, hey, make a music video that looks like this. Yeah, they gave us the very very basics, and then we kind of pushed out organically from that. So what we were told is they wanted to be about um, a young a young person who wants to go into the stars and maybe fight for something. The the song itself has a fairly strong narrative core to it and it has kind of act structure and um, a lot of the events in the video are sort of supported by the lyrics as and when they occur. Um, okay, so you use the actual lyrics of the song to build the story of the, of the video. Yeah, okay. and along with knowing that they wanted a 90s anime feel, there were certain tropes and things that we'd seen growing up with 90s anime that we knew that we could pull from yeah. to make it really feel nostalgic. Yeah, it's something I, I get kind of annoyed about sometimes where people like go, oh, such a trope. I'm like, tropes aren't necessarily bad things. Like, you know, you can yeah. take, like, there are, there are there's, form, there's formulas that people devise in order to tell stories. Some of them become incredibly repetitive and, like, you know, cliched for sure. But I kind of don't like the, how the word trope is kind of seen to be such a bad thing. Like, that's something that clearly you guys were able to use for this. Yeah, they can bring a lot of nostalgia with them and familiarity with it. And I mm. think if, you, if you're using them deliberately to evoke a feeling and you know how you're using them, then they can be a really, really strong tool. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think they're a good weapon in your tool belt. And it's how you use the weapon that kind of shows how strong it can be. Like, you can take a broadsword and try and attack someone and just, yeah, fail to hit that kind of thing or you could overuse it and it then becomes kind of cliche or like if you overuse it in your own project too much then it loses the impact as if you use it once effectively or yeah, yeah I, I find i find that in comics as well like there's lots of uh storytelling things you can do and just because you can do them doesn't mean that you should do them but it doesn't mean that like there's absolutely no reason to ever do these things ever like any 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 narrative or storytelling tool it's you know it's do you hit this with a hammer or do you use a sledgehammer or do you use a drill or um i know this metaphor is getting very weak but uh <laughs> but it's but these are all things that you develop in order to try to tell a story and some things especially when how long is the video it's like three it's three and a half minutes yeah so there's only you've got to get a lot in there and yeah. tell a whole story in like three and a half minutes well i maybe try to get a bit too much in there <laughs> was um, that was that a was that a problem was you were like i just want to put everything in and it just doesn't all fit I think just as um, a first-time director, I definitely learned the limits of the medium in terms of 
it's great to have a story, but you also want the story to have time to read. And you don't want to have to cram so much in there that it becomes unreadable. Hmm. So because yeah, the, the video does like, there are slow moments, but there's also like very like you know quick snappy cuts along with the music. Like so, so what I do like about it is is it moves to the pace of the song, and you know of course because of music will it'll it'll build and it'll cut it'll go up and it'll go down and he really moved with the 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 pacing of the song which I thought was a good move. Yes, there's there, there's some animated videos where. It, uh, sorry, music videos where it's literally just the song plays and music play. Or sorry, the, the the music plays and the video plays, and they are not remotely. They don't in, yeah. are not in sync at all. It might as well be just a fan video or something. Yeah, we wanted so badly to tie the visuals to the music, so it's really good to hear that because the music is important, not just in terms of you watching the video and feeling like things are timed out to the beat and things mm. are hitting emotionally in the right spot, but also just the theme of the video and the story is very yeah. tied to music as well. Well, even the, um, I think, was it the Daft Punk uh, One More Time? Yeah. Was it, no, it's, was it One More Time? Which was the one with the the the, the uh, animated? Interstellar 5555, was it? Something like that, yeah. Okay, right. One you yeah, because I remember I, I thought I thought that looked really nice, but what bugged me about it was it just, it, it just played completely independent of the music. Yeah. I, I think music videos often use collage or montage of imagery to kind of give you the feel of what the music's like. But for us, we were trying to um, give you a, a little bit of a cinematic experience, which meant that all of our events had to be told in chronological order. Right. And and that way we were kind of locked into the pacing of a song as well. So I think we, we hit some like real challenges pacing wise, just to make sure things could read and were understood. Yeah, hmm. we could definitely have um, slowed it down and just done a much slower montage over the music, but we really wanted to push ourselves and push what we could do with the music video. Hmm. So we ended up trying to make everything kind of match the feel and match the story we felt that the song was telling as well, which meant that when it came to animation, we had to keep things extremely tight timing wise to make sure that all the beats were landing at the right time and your eye was going to the right place. Hmm. And was it, was it a whole different set of challenges to be like directing this this piece of work rather than effectively being you know the grunts and other projects or you're just you're literally just doing a job and you do that job whereas this thing all the creative decisions had to flow through you guys and a lot of the division of labor and a lot of the like just you know nuts and bolts of like running a project like was this so was this radically different to everything you've done before um, it was. We definitely, we still wanted the people who are working with us, all the animators and the visual designers to feel like they had creative control over their scenes and to be able to pitch ideas and really... Was, was that possible in the end? Because that's, that's a really, because I mean, like, I, 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 I'm sympathetic because like, especially in creator-owned comics, you're like, oh, well, I want everyone to be treated right and like, be treated fairly. And, you know, you should do that and you should push to do that. Sometimes like some some weird practical thing gets in the way where it just ends up being way more hassle. And, you know, it's, it's you know, the, you're trying to do everything you can with best intentions, but sometimes there's just practical things that kind of stop that. I think I think the, the most difficult thing is um, trying to pull back someone who is enthusiastic about something. Hmm. We wanted everyone to have a voice in the project, but if someone's singing slightly out of key, like that was the hardest thing of trying to make the judgment calls of whether they were harmonizing in the way we that we needed them to mm -hmm. or whether we were being too subjective so it was a very kind of battle of trying to figure out where not to overstep and what did fit in how to kind of bring all of the elements together 
Yeah, as as well, I learned very quickly that you need to be able to make decisions as a director. Right. Um, it might feel like it's it's more fun to be able to play around with the ideas for a long time, but in the end, the longer that you spend delaying just telling someone that you want it a certain way or making a decision on a certain design, you know, the the more you're delaying it for everyone else and stopping hmm. people from being able to get on with their work. So, um, yeah, the more open you leave it, the more uncertainty it can creep in that you didn't intend there it's all about finding a right balance between that i think about um being able to leave enough open to people creatively while also giving people a strong direction to push in so everyone knows what they're doing and you know when you can just say okay we're going to go with this and push forward with it i think you've said in the past that um you like limitations because it lets you problem solve and be creative within them yeah not all not all the time but it can be good to have them for sure yeah like it forces your hand to, you know, you could come up with an idea and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then someone goes, oh, no, but you can't, like, you know, you can, it has to be vertical orientated, not horizontal orientated. And you're like, oh, oh, damn. And then, then, but then once you have that limitation, you're like, oh, well, I could have maybe do this instead. And it forces you to think outside of, you know, the very, not easy, but the more instinctive, you can rely on a shorthand sometimes and those kind of limitations force you to not do that sometimes. And it's it's a good exercise to make you kind of, you know, spend a little bit more mental uh, exercise on it. But um, I was going to ask something there and now I have blanked on it. Um, oh, well, actually, yeah, sorry, it was regarding the limitations. Do you think the song, have, do you think, the song helped in that regard. Like when you're coming up with the ideas and people were throwing other ideas in, ultimately it had to match the song and the song's only a certain amount of time and there's the pace, you know, the pacing was there at least when you started. Like, do you think that was a good, having that solidified meant you're, it was a little bit easier to make decisions because you're like, oh, well, that's just not going to work because of the, the song. Yeah, 100%. I think thanks to the fact that the song is so strong in tone and in the lyrics and the imagery that he pushes forward, it made it much easier to find those linchpins where I could say, okay, at this point in the song, this has to happen. Mm. And this has to be the low moment. And we have to have some kind of triumphant return here because we know the song's gonna end at this point and we need to get that feeling kicking back in after the low moment. So it very much gave us a good structure to work with. Yeah, well, whereas if you didn't have that, if this was just, say, like a feature film or something... Yeah, if we just had to make a three-minute short... Yeah, who you could still be trying to come up with what to do, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very difficult to just come up with something out of nothing, but if you have a really strong basis, which we did with the song, because the song's so great. And then there was something I wanted to ask, is, uh, is was it a conscious decision for it to be so, like, hand-drawn? Like, is was it just an aesthetic thing because of, like... 80s animation that it's all like hand drawn because so much of animation now is is 3D. Yeah, it, that was a big a big consideration while we were doing the project because we understood that using 3D would help us out and um, could make things a lot faster. But also we did want to keep that 2D aesthetic partially because that's what I specialize in, and I think it's really integral to getting that 90s aesthetic because that is how the cartoons we're trying to emulate were done back yeah. then. Does that does that does that hold you back career wise at all? It being like that you specialize in two D. I don't. I don't think so. Um, I really the, the argument being it. that everything's going to three D and you know two yeah. D's way the dinosaurs get with the program India <laughs> the old hag. I know, right? It's <laughs> terrible. But I mean, maybe in terms of working in a studio, I've always found that freelance work 
is plentiful in terms of 2D animation, okay. which is something I'm very thankful for because sure. um, I love drawing a lot, so I'm not sure what I'd do if I couldn't do that every day. It almost feels like animation has ages attached to it. So you have the like the 90s Disney wave where a lot of the 2D hand-drawn stuff from Disney had an almost re-emergence and then that dwindled. And in the wake of that, you have um, kids growing up on those films wanting to then become animators. That's a good point. Like every, like all the all the CG versions of these Disney films, but like you've got a generation of people who, who were the children who watched those animated films um, and I, you know, I, I see the reaction they have, and I agree because I mean I'm a little bit older than that generation, but um, like I, I was a kid when the Little Mermaid came out, and uh, yeah. so I, I'm, you know, I'm similar in that regard. I think yeah. you've then seen a lot of independent animators kind of growing up through YouTube and kind of figuring out themselves. And you had this really kind of boom in the early 2000s where just people in their bedrooms were making the content that they wanted to see and make. Because programs are so accessible now in terms of practicing animation. You can really download fantastic free software pretty much as soon as you have a computer to work with. Okay. But just to ping back to the 3D um, question for a second, Mm -hmm. um, we did use 3D under the hood to help with the drawing. And Mike was like a really a key point for that. Because when it came to animating complex ship designs, you know. Yeah, I imagine that's... uh... Yeah, um, Mike suggested doing it 3D to begin with, but I really didn't want that to be part of the video because I knew that we haven't yet really found a way, as far as I've seen, um, just in general in the industry, to integrate 3D into 2D seamlessly and to make it really look like it's 2D. It it always stands out. Like, I remember they did a lot of it on uh, Futurama, and it's all, like, you know, it's all got that, like, exterior hand-drawn, like, or that black line from hand being hand-drawn, but it still stood out a mile that, yeah. like, it's all, you know, yeah. just done, done 3D. And you, you kind of, you can accept it and it's fine. I, I much prefer it all be as seamless as possible. And I understand the practical reasons why you'd need it. But I definitely think you, like, because you guys, you didn't trace over the 3D models, did you? Or um, We did a combination of using them for the key poses and in-betweening by hand. Okay, yeah, so sounds good. We tried to find a good balance wherein we could have the actual hand-drawn 2D lines, but also have a good basis to work from. Mm-hmm. So so we designed the ships orthographically, top side kind of views, and then I built 3D versions of each of the six ships that we had as um, like mock-ups that showed the basic geometry um, in, in, in 3D. And we used those and gave those to our animators to sort of spin around and turn and move to see what that shape would look like from any angle that they needed it to be based on the boards. And then they would <clears throat> use that as reference to animate the motion that they wanted to see in, in the scenes that were storyboarded. Great. Fair play. Um, I just wanted to actually uh, uh, shoot way, way back a little bit and um, ask uh, how you guys actually started working together. Um, like what, what, because you guys live in Ireland now, but originally, India, you're from England and you're from Scotland, Mike. I am, yes. And so how, where did, how did you guys start working together? So to, to my shame, I found India on Facebook and I thought her name was incredibly awesome. And I thought, hey, India Swift, they sound cool. I'll add them. You're a creep, yep. you mean. Right, okay, fair enough. Yeah, and this name, you know, it gets me all the guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, um, Some advice for the ladies out there. Uh, it turned out um, India was a friend of a friend of mine, um, Andrew McDonald, who's a fantastic artist. And he had met India 
through, she was looking to do a Disney internship, um, I think at Disney Interactive in London. And he had previously done that for a year. It was okay. uh, a, a whole part of his life. So she reached out to Andrew to ask him questions about that. And because of that, I saw India through like, um, like a recommended friends list. And I was like, oh, I was going to say through like the gap in the door. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I started looking at like the stuff she was posting, she was, her drawings were fantastic. And I was like really pleased to have stumbled over her. And then, Oh, and then, um, Mike was also posting art because Mike neglected to say that he's a fantastic artist and a fantastic painter too. So <laughs> don't tell them how good I am. <laughs> but I saw his artwork and at the time I was working with some friends to develop a point and click adventure game based in Edo period Japan. And Mike posted this picture of a Tengu, which is like a mythical Japanese yokai monster creature. Mm -hmm. And we were going to have that kind of stuff in our game. And we were looking for a concept artist. So I reached out to Mike and asked him if he wanted to come on and work for us and create some concept art for us with the game. And through that, I was kind of managing the artists on the project. So I was talking back and forth with Mike. She sent very professional emails to me while I sat in my underwear and went, woo, job! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, well, he did great work. And though we didn't manage to finish the game because it kind of blew out scope-wise, um, I had a lot of fun working on it. And Mike and I kept in contact through that entire process and just became really good friends. Um, we ended up falling for one another. Aw. Wait, you um, guys are a couple? How did I not know this? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, and then we moved in together and we started... It just seemed natural to want to make stuff together because... Yeah. You know, I love drawing, Mike loves painting, colouring, everything really. You love trying new things. Everything India doesn't do, I like <laughs> somehow like I have that. Yeah, I, I get the sense I get the sense you facilitate a lot of the things in which India can excel. Like she'll concentrate on one thing and you'll do this other thing that she should probably do that would help, but you're too busy doing the actual thing. Like it's it's I mean I, I I see so much of this like now especially in the last few years where doing the work is only part of the work and all this other stuff has to be done in order to facilitate it like and you seem to be you seem to excel at the facilitation therefore yeah in India then like you clear the runway for India to take in, off India's jet fighter <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's a good partnership um it's mm. very much like um I have a lot of big ideas I want to do um. That maybe are a little bit ambitious, but you know you might as well go for them. So Absolutely. Generally, I'll I'll suggest a project, and then I'll go running off on that project, and Mike will um, be the support and bring that home in a way. So to give an example, we did um, an animation based on a game that we played called Night in the Woods, which was just a really nice game. We wanted to do a little fan thing to to show we enjoyed it. So I was like, oh, we should do this fan thing. It's going to be great. So I did all the animation for it and I storyboarded it all and, and everything. And then Mike helped me record everything, record all the sounds for right. it. And then Mike was the one who coloured it and figured out the pipeline, figured out how to make the animation lineless. Um, we worked together yeah. on the backgrounds. He composited it all. He sure. added in all the sound. Sure, even even like I, I've been doing streams on uh, Twitch uh, recently. And sure, the whole reason I'm even able to do that is because Mike, like, literally handed me a webcam and handed me the microphone like you would think in general you're like uh enabler if you will yeah yeah I like artistic think, enabler i like to think of myself as a problem solver hmm. and india as a problem maker <laughs> i can see that <laughs> um 
Yeah, India gave me a, a shot where she wanted the camera to spin around the character, and then she was like, oh, "I'll need a background for that. Can you like pat like draw a panoramic view right. of the camera spinning?" And I was like, "I could do that." She's like, "Why don't you just paint it?" I'm like, "Or I could make a three D environment and a camera spin." In- and she's like, "Whatever, just as long as I don't have to do it." <laughs> um, in like half the time it would take me to figure out all the perspective grids and stuff like that. So in some ways I use like other skill sets to fill in gaps in my knowledge. In other ways I'm trying to save us time or I I really enjoy learning how to do something I've never done before. Hmm. And I'd much rather do something new than um, something that that like will kind of take a lot of time and effort to kind of kind of bash through head on yeah, well, I, I see, I think I've said this to you before, I see a lot of the times like where you get really obsessed about like a, a thing, a new a new toy, a new tool. I like shiny things. I'm yeah, you do. Guy. But like also, but I'll, like India slightly say more conservative in that regard where, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll tend to try dial him back a bit, but he'll also push you outside your comfort zone a little, which is, yeah. it's a good way to be. It stops you from becoming stagnant. Uh, also, I know, like you said, you like to think big, but also there's things you're not able to do. Yeah, like so. I like to push myself, but only in very specific directions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm already like an old man. I'm like, what are these kids with their newfangled wikis? You know, I I want to push myself in terms of drawing and animation, but, you know, I know how to use a paintbrush. Yeah. And I know how to, the shortcuts for going forward and back a frame. And everything else in my animation program is a mystery to me. <laughs> and I don't see why I should have to learn anything. Yeah, why? Who cares? Like, I'm not doing that. You know, but... Here, you do it. <laughs> that's, where, that's where Mike's awesome, though, is because Mike will... You know, it'll become necessary at some point to learn a little bit more outside my sphere. And, hmm. you know, Mike's great support for, for doing that and encourages well, me to try new and, things. And I've, I've, I've had that, too, with Mike because of uh, I've been trying to colour my own work recently. And for a similar reason where like I'm very I'm very good I think at some things and there's other things that because I didn't do them for the longest time I just kind of ignored them I'm now you know like a known illustrator but with with big gaps in my knowledge and I don't like that and I've been trying to fill those gaps now like and uh, and you know Mike's been a big help on the coloring front big in a bit in a big way so I think this has become the Mike uh, appreciation uh, podcast <laughs> I'm not even Woo! talking on this podcast <laughs> Um, yeah, I find that you have a clear idea in design of what you want to create or achieve. And I generally just ask you, is like, is this what you're intending to make? And if you say yes or no, I'll be like, okay, this is how I would. Or I get all defensive, that. like, yeah, sure, sure, it's exactly what I wanted to do. Just leave me alone, okay? <laughs> um, but it's always very key to like figure out what you're aiming to do. And like your thumbnails for your color design stuff is really strong. So the advice I give is just how to technically yeah you that. you're very technically proficient especially like in Photoshop and stuff and I'm like a cartoon monkey just bashing at things like me no work so uh no it's it's a great knockout but let's uh not discuss me in any way shape or shape or form um what uh what's what are you hoping was going to happen with Starlight Brigade like this this is going to be out maybe like a week or so after the video hopefully everyone's going crazy about it because they should because it's amazing um and if you haven't if if someone listening to this hasn't checked it out it's in the news it's going to be in the newsletter so make sure you pause this (laughs) (laughs) go and watch the video and come back for the last few minutes but um 
Uh, but yeah, with, with that, I mean, it is an impressive body of work. It's yours in a way that other projects, you know, you don't have the, the sense of authorship on those other projects. What would you like to do next? Um, well, we definitely want to continue working with Knights of a Light Table because the entire project was through them. Mm. And, you know, and you've really, been working with them a while as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really, two years. Right. You know, and I really believe in what Patrick's trying to do with the with the company and we couldn't have, have done Starlight without his support and he just had our backs all the way through, you know, he was doing all the scheduling for us and everything and helping us out the entire way because because really we'd never done anything like this before but mm. because we know we have Patrick there who has directed things before and he's, you know, acted as producer on certain things, we knew that we could, you know, trust him to, to guide us right and sure. fill in the gaps. I just, I hope that Starlight Brigade does really well as well as we're hoping. I hope people really enjoy it um, I think the thing we want to do next is just to um, to push ourselves more to do something which exceeds what we've accomplished so far. So, like, not another music video, but like a short film. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is with with animation. Like, because it, it's it seems to be balloon so much, you know. Yeah, but it seems to be like you know people do short films and then that they send that to like awards shows and then they get like like. I'm not sure what the career path for animators is to a huge to a huge degree, unless you're inside that studio system. I think the dream is always to get to the point where you can have a hand in making a series or something similar. Is that your is that your like ultimate goal to do a series? I think that would be incredible. I think to be able to have your eyes idea. your eyes just fluttered in a way I've never seen them flutter oh before. My, oh my stars! <laughs> um, I think yeah. I think India is a natural born storyteller, so anything that pushes her in the direction to be able to tell more stories is it's it's like the light on the horizon for her mm. yeah i think a film i think i prefer the format of series to films just because a film is such a big undertaking but if you can break that down into smaller smaller chunks i've always really enjoyed the way that characters can evolve over more time during a series and there's more time for things to play out mm. um, and i think every animator's dream is probably eventually for their characters or their ideas to have a platform where they can really push for storytelling and mm. make something that's going to affect people emotionally and put some good back into the world with, you know, a story with good values and memorable characters. So that would be the ultimate dream. And do you think that's something you can do? Because I I see how, like, hands-on you are about everything. Like, ultimately, if you do something like that, you're, you know, there's a level in which you can't control. Like, are you going to be able to step back? I know at the moment yeah. you're, you're working on something where you're just animating and it's probably it's like just getting into an old pair of shoes because it's really easy for you to do but were you to do something like that which is more ambitious and like you know you spent was it nine months or or eight months doing a three minute video you'd yeah. have to step back but would you be you know would you okay. be able to do that i'd have to learn to be i think i think with backup from my friends like mike to you know bounce the ideas off and help me you know help me along the way with emotional support and making it look as good as it can and with people like Patrick there as well to help through the process and to take on some of the work you know I think if if we all got together to do it um I would be okay stepping back because I there's a really good support structure with nice yeah I'm sure there's people who you really like and would like to support and you know like I'm sure like that's the nice thing about like you know like doing better in a creative field um is that it puts you in a better position to 
you know, make choices that you think are smarter or hire people that you think deserve a shot or these things because they, you know, unless unless you don't like, you know, make those little breaks in the in the concrete, you can't force the weeds through. I'm really bad with my metaphors. I like I'm it. a professional writer, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, I think and one of the things we hope most for Starlight Brigade is that it pushes the people who've worked on it up into the public eye a bit more. Because people like... But not too far, because you want to stay above them. <laughs> no. No, not at all. Like, I think people like Tibbs and Al, um, Thomas Poole, who was on effects on it, David Liu, we mentioned, Renee Violet, or Caroline Miles, who has been doing the backgrounds with us. I think they all deserve much more recognition than they're currently getting. And I hope that this video will show people what they can do, because they mm. all really kicked ass on this project. You know, the way it looks, it's all down to them. They really killed it, so I hope that they can be pushed up a bit and people can see what they can do and they'll well, get I, to go into for, that. For, I mean, but it's kind of hard to know that in animation. I think what's more like realistic or practical is that you, is that you guys get pushed up and when you if, if you guys do get pushed up, you pull up those people too. You if know, it, if we get into a position, to like it's hard to know, it's hard to look at that video and go like, oh, that like no one's going to know who did that specific effect. You know, because I I know like it's chopped and changed. It's not like one person did all the backgrounds. I know Michael, you did like the like most of them, but not all. And you know, you directed it, but I know you also animated whole scenes, but you didn't animate all scenes. It's it's yeah. hard to know. One of the nicest things about having made it and being behind the scenes is being able to look at shots and go, oh look, there's Tibbs's effects, and that's Elle's animation, and there's mm. you know Renee's background, and it's got David's lighting pass on it, and his. Mike's compositing over the top and be able to see all the And parts. do you ever go, oh, and look, that's an amazing bit that I uh, animated. No, <laughs> I doubt you do. It's very hard to look at your own work, <laughs> you know, without just seeing the improvements you could make. Of course. Yeah, we have a plan um, after the release to showcase different individual creators' um, work and release those through, like, social media to be like, oh, cool. Here's a shot in development. Here's, like, how this shot was made. Is that, like, what's happening? Okay, forgive me. I know it's a pre... It's a previous Knights of the Light Table thing. It's the 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 Game Grumps thing that came out a while yeah, ago. So, um, yeah, Knights of the Light Table also worked on Star Bombs. Um, it's the Overwatch rap um, song "Blowing the Payload." Um, we worked on that simultaneously with um, the Starlight Brigade project. But I see a lot of people posting. Uh, this is the bit that I did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of cool. You couldn't have done that like fifteen years ago, ten years ago. Like, but now people go, "Oh, this is literally a bit that that's me." Exactly. This is this is Patrick's idea, and it's a great one. And it's one of the ways that we're hoping that we can highlight specific contributions from people. That's and really, really push cool. Them up yeah, that's great. Say, hey, it's Elle sharing this week, and this is all the animation bits that she's most proud of that she did. So people can really see what a difference everyone's made to the project. Yeah, it's a piece of insight as well as a celebration of the the talents and the skills and just the the work that people put into into the project. Yeah, because what we really want to push up, I think. Um, beyond ourselves is the Knights of a Light Table. Yeah. Because they're a fantastic company and since we want to we want to continue working with all the people involved in it and, you know, of course Patrick, we just want people to be able to see what the company can do. And I think we've had a big range of projects so far, all with very different looks. So I'm hoping it's going to impress people the range yeah. that we've been able to achieve so far. Fingers crossed. Um since uh, I do have something of an interest in comics, um I couldn't uh, end this without uh, bringing up something called Girl in the Glim. Aww. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Declan. Can you tell me what Girl in the Glim is? Uh, yeah, that is a comic that Mike and I made together. Um, it's my first long-form comic. 
Uh, it's currently book one is out and book two is planned and I'm hoping I'll have time to work on that sometime very soon. And it's a story about a girl who moves to a new town and has to learn to fit in and there's a supernatural element that disrupts things. And I'm hoping it's gonna get pretty crazy down the story arc in terms of really bringing in those supernatural elements a bit more. But that was something we did, I think before we were working with Knights of a Light Table. Yeah, it was on the, like we took Girl the Glim to Thought Bubble uh, as a debut. I think it was on like the last night of Thought Bubble, Patrick contacted us and said, hey, are you interested in? And then the rest of the- Okay. Yeah, you know, I think when you strike out and do something that you believe in, like make a comic, then people sit up and take notice of you much more um, because you show that you can finish something. Well, it goes back to well, how you guys even met because you put out that uh, monster creature thing and that's what you saw. And you're like, oh, I really like that. It's, I think it's definitely something in like this age that we're in now. Or, and sometimes people get annoyed with the with the advice, but it's just, you know, sorry, but it's true. But if you want to do a thing, you've got to, if you want to have a job in a thing, you've got to just do it first so people can see that you can do it. Yeah. Um, and in this case, like, I'm sure a lot of the reason why Knights of the Light Table approached you for this, because for for Starlight, was because they saw you do X, Y, and Z, and they saw what you were already making. Because you can't just go pick a random person and go, "You do it." You've yeah. got to you got to prove that you're, it's something you're capable of doing. You need to be making the work you want to be hired for. I think. I think lot, so. Yeah. A lot of people get, and especially in the university setting, they're kind of told the criteria for like what makes a good showreel. But when you see recent graduates, they all have the same ingredients. And what you really want to see is what they make outside of the university curriculum. Or like their final year films need to say something about what they want to do. And I think it's important to... Yeah, like if you want to work on like a My Little Pony cartoon, then uh, having, um, I don't know, a Dracula fan film isn't that isn't the, people aren't going to make the mental leap. Even though you're capable of doing both and there's no reason why you can't, if that's the type of work that you want, then you've got to help people make that mental leap of, oh, I can see them doing that. I think it happens in comics a lot too, where they don't see certain artists. Like they're like, oh, they couldn't do that gig because they're some editors like can't or won't or but but there are definitely editors who are like, I can, I can make a they'll make a little bit more of a mental leap of, of imagination going like, I wonder how they would tackle that. It would be more interesting than having the same look as, as, as before. Yeah, I think that's why it's important to follow your passions is because if you're doing something and you enjoy doing it and it's good, people will want you to do more of it, either on their show or they'll want to fund you to continue doing what you're doing right now. Whereas if you try to do something just to get hired and you're not enthusiastic about it, if you do get hired for that thing, you're going to be doing more of it yeah. you know, day in, day out. So you need to make sure that it's something that you... Yeah, had, had you stayed at the studio system, your showreel would have consisted of stuff that... You know, you would have done a good job at, but not yeah. spoke to your interests or your 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 like say your passions. Yeah, because I, I worked in an animation studio um, before freelancing for Nights of a Light Table, and I did really enjoy it. And I enjoyed the people. It's, it was a wonderful place to work, but it just wasn't the type of work I wanted to do, which is ultimately why I left. And I have been happier pursuing work with Nights of a Light Table for sure. It's much more up my alley. Hmm. Um, when India decided that 
um, 2D puppet animation just wasn't fulfilling her creatively. So what's 2D puppet animation? It's it's where you will take 2D assets and build rigs around them to enable you to move a character. That's oh, okay. Is that, what, is that what a lot of 3D animation is? Um, 3D is similar <clears throat> to that, although you have a 3D model mesh surrounding a rig as well. It's like if you flatten that. 3D is, is more like if you imagine stop motion. Okay. Inside a computer, like virtual stop motion. Okay, so Whereas so two D puppet is much more. If you imagine a stick pin. Puppet, oh, okay. Then it's rotating at the joints, and it has different pieces for different hand shapes. Gotcha. Maybe be able to, as you said, switch pieces in and out for like facial expressions and things like that. Gotcha. So sorry, what were you? I just, I just for anybody who didn't know, yeah, including yeah. me, uh, <laughs> what that was. But uh, oh, how, what, what did you mean about it? I think India didn't find that as fulfilling as. Um, drawing the characters herself frame by frame like India's passion lies in solid drawing and being able to put that nuance and you know herself into each of the drawings so when um, India decided to leave Boulder there left this kind of um, space and time for for us to do something and that's when we started streaming um, and we would stream every weekday morning and work on projects that um push that 2D drawing um, passion forward. And I think because we started doing that, a lot of opportunities came our way because we were just making stuff. And putting people... it out there. Yeah. Okay, well, it feels like it's all come full circle. Um, so um, so to, to wrap up uh, in uh, regarding your stream, so your streams are something you do every week, right? Um, yeah, we recently, because Starlight was so intense toward the end of the project, we dropped off and decided, okay, we need some time off from doing those. And once we come back to doing it, the, the structure has changed a little to be a little bit more um, forgiving for us. So we now stream um, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays from half seven until nine each morning. Okay. And we're currently working on a project for Declan Shalvey. That's true. We're doing I've heard of him. He's all right. Town yeah, yeah. I, I asked you guys if you could do like basically just like a kind of a, something that I could use as a visual trailer for a graphic novel I released uh, just over a year ago. Um, I didn't do it at the time, or well, I didn't know anybody to, to ask to do it at the time. But um, uh, it's yeah, it's looking really, really great, and I, I can't wait till you guys finish it. For God's sake, um, <laughs> but, we uh, might still be working on it when this comes out, or we might just be wrapping it up. Uh, I'd, I'd imagine maybe wrapping. I doubt you have a finish by by but yeah, it's looking uh, great. But um, but 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 if anyone's like so clearly you're working on stuff you guys can't share, but the streams are a place where you can show stuff that you are just yeah. doing on the side for a slightly more fun or just a, cre- a creative outlet outside of the the day job. So. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to be able to break up our day like that to start off mm. being able to actually interact with some people and do something which is not directly work. So. Yeah, and it gets us at our desks in the morning. Yeah, which is a good thing for sure. And you guys have a Patreon as well. Oh, we, we do. do. We do. It's a Doig Swift. So Patreon.com. Not Swift Doig. Doig. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not Everything Swift Doig. is Doig Swift. <laughs> Everything is Doig Swift. It's true. It does sound better that way. I do admit. But what, what do you do with the Patreon? Like, why? Why the hell should I um, uh, d- donate to that? Anyway, if you want behind the scenes looks and exclusive content and I do and you want to hear us talk about stuff, well swing on over to the Patreon. That you was don't... scary, India. Don't do that again. <laughs> 
You don't <coughs> don't even need to donate to be able to see the stuff. Oh, we, really? You don't have to? Nope. You can just... Okay. It's all public and forward-facing, so you can have a look and see if you're interested. And it's really just a way for us to receive donations from people, and the donations do make a massive difference and really help us out. So if anyone you know does look at it and it looks like something you'd enjoy reading, please, you know, throw a euro or two our way we'd really appreciate it and it's all it's all process stuff behind the scenes type things isn't it yes okay because if this i'm releasing this in the newsletter and i know that like whenever i talk to people it's like oh like what kind of stuff do you like in the newsletter and like you know in most cases it is the process stuff it's just it just takes ages to put together every time i do one i'm like oh good god it took longer to bloody it didn't take longer to draw the bloody thing yeah, but um are a lot more work than people think they are yeah no it is yeah. like you know uh, i um I just did the news. The last newsletter I did, I'm like, this took bloody. Ages. It wasn't a lot all process stuff, but like, any if if you wanted to be of interest, you've really got to put time in it and try to figure out if it's what people, or if it's, if it really has any like merit. Patreon follows the, the 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 saying of like, I didn't have time to write you a short letter, so I wrote you a long one instead. Because <laughs> you can you can throw all the things you've learned about something, making it accessible for people and making it concise that they they can take something away quickly. Is like something that we're aiming to do going forward. Yeah, the thing we ultimately want to show through our Patreon is we want to make art and animation feel more accessible to people. Because uh, I know a lot of people feel intimidated to start, and we feel like by sharing the process and breaking it down so that people can see how they could also approach it and do something like what we're doing at the minute. Um, no, I, th- I think I think you're right. I think um, people see art and they see it as this like. Uh, abstract thing that like they could never be good at because people are just naturally good at it and it's like you know I think people are definitely have more of an aptitude for doing it but it's like it's like anything else like uh, it's 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 work and it's perseverance but you start somewhere and, and if you can show people you're like this is how it's assembled people if people understand how it's put together they they it they believe that they can do it and they can start to do it and it becomes a real incentive for people to yeah. try something more creative uh, I think artists just have a higher tolerance for failure <laughs> and keep going. And, and on that note, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has failed. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, know, I mean, look, that's the thing is none of us have excelled without having, like, made huge mess-ups. Yeah, none of or, us are quite right the first time. I, I think no. people think creatively, like, they, they're, they start in the middle of this kind of spectrum and in one direction it's, like, good art and the other direction it's bad art. But I think the actual diagram is a big circle and you're in the middle and everything in every direction is just bad art until you get through that. Yeah. Like, well, even there's the saying of, you know, you do a thousand bad drawings before you get to a good one, which is true. But I think it's not, it's not you know, it's not just that you do bad drawings, it's that you make a thousand mistakes because in drawing there's a million mistakes you can make. So once you get a thousand out of the way, all of a sudden there's less, you know, but as long as you're learning from those mistakes and not repeating them, then that's something. But uh, that's it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's a better that's a better note to end on, slightly more positive one. <laughs> but um, uh, yes, uh, well, thanks for talking to me, guys. Uh, for everybody for listening, having us on the first ever, podcast. first possibly last, <laughs> uh, we'll see. But um, uh, if you did like this, guys, let me know. Uh, I guess uh, on Twitter or email or whatnot. But more importantly, uh, click on the link to the Starlight Brigade video in the newsletter. Uh, share it around, like us. I guess you could subscribe to it because it'll be the it'll be on the light, Knights of the Light Table. It'll probably be on Twerps. A oh, Twerp. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. a Twerp. Um, yes. But anyway, yeah, share, subscribe, all all the the things that you do with the YouTubes. But um, yeah, do because uh, it's a great video, and I hope uh, you know, everybody shares it and loves it and uh, likes you guys. Yeah. 
Yes. Visit the brand spanking new Knights of a Light Table website that Mike is oh, cool. currently, currently building. Yeah. I will. <laughs> It'll be ready by this time, I'm sure. Excellent. I will, I'll, I'll stick the link in there too. Um, but uh, yeah, brilliant. Thank Thanks for me, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this first experimental uh, ramshackle episode of uh, Tape Deck. Uh, if you like it, tell your friends or don't. I'm not going to know either way, so it's fine. Um, but let me know if you like it, because that way I, it'll encourage me to do it more or do it less or just stop completely. So uh, thanks a million. Uh, catch you next time.